Welcome back, everyone, to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. Once again, I am Justin, and I am joined by... Beth! And I'm Sam! And I'm famed literary character Hammond from the hit book Mistborn. You may be surprised to hear me speaking, since thousands across the nation believe that by this point I would have suffered a gruesome (laughs) death at the hands of some horrible, hideous thing. But something has occurred that has prevented my esteemed colleague Kelsier from carrying out his plan to lure me into a trap and then leave me for dead, a simple pawn in his devilish game of chess. Now, there's still one last chunk of book to go, not to mention two novels that follow afterwards. Plenty of time for me to suffer a slow, agonizing, painful, torturous, tragic death. But, not today. Okay, so there's some sort of weird crossover now between the introduction section and the predictions section. Mm. Let's skip the discussion then. Let's just God of of all the episodes to skip the discussion. L- let's yeah. not for this one. I wrote the least amount of notes for this because I was just in, absorbed in what was happening, and also a lot of it was fight scene, which is yeah, awesome. Those uh, it's kind of it's the time for things to just start happening and keep happening. So it's just gonna we're, we're just gonna let everything kind of wash over us as it was and see where this wild ride takes us uh yeah are we, are we gonna give general thoughts first i think we can spare a few moments for it but i think there's plenty to talk about and we can get to that pretty soon but yeah what's uh what's the the general mood at this point in the book excitement oh my god but you know uh, i guess we'll we'll talk more i don't do we spoil the fact that kelsier died <laughs> It's but... kind of hard to avoid. What? Anybody who has read these books, who knows the chapters that we're reading for each episode, knows that this is this is a big one, this episode here. And yeah, some events occur. Yeah. I'll save my poetic waxing on, on Kelsier for when he actually uh, kicks the bucket. Um, but wow. Yeah. Needless to say, I did not uh, expect that. Uh, I have a I have a long long preface going into this uh, to start with. Um, I believe we talked about this in the chat a little bit, but Justin and Beth, I'm guessing when you guys read the book, when you got to this point, you just kind of kept going. Is that an accurate? Oh yeah, there is yeah. there is oh, no yes. stopping once you hit a certain point. Yeah, the the late hour at which I have finished many of these books due to sandal hitches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I would gather a lot of our listeners probably were in the same boat. Um, and, uh, you know, it's probably not completely uh, beholden to this particular detail since uh, uh, Sam seems to be really um, into these chapters. Um, but it's fair to say that by the nature of the podcast, I don't think I consumed these chapters as the way nature intended necessarily. And I've had the better part of a week to kind of process just these plot points and without knowing what comes next. And with that in mind, I am legitimately a little bit sad to report that I didn't really like these chapters very much. Um, Ooh. I didn't care for, I think, I think my main thing, I actually have a lot of, of, of detailed things uh, that we can get into. And I didn't hate them. There was a lot in here that was really, really cool. And I was really, really into it. It's not like I'm just going to be hating on this the entire uh, episode. But um, I think actually the rapid pacing of everything happened happening um, hurt some of the emotional moments. And because our characters didn't have time to process a lot, which I know is sort of the point, 
um, it also made it difficult for me to process some of those emotions. Um, mm. So a lot of the, you know, I was very shocked at a lot of moments in these chapters, but the like emotional reckoning of what happened during those chapters did not quite land for me. Um, so just wanted to give a warning at the outset that I may be a little bit of a, a, a nitpicker this episode. I want to clarify that like, People who remember these chapters very fondly and remember it being very impactful for them. I'm not trying to persuade you that you're wrong, that the writing is objectively poor. Um, I'm not trying to ruin anyone's fun. I'm just trying to explain how I feel and why I feel the way I do. Um, and another thing to know about me is that when I get really nitpicky, it is a sign that I have loved a lot of the things that came before it. Um, if I was hating the book uh, entirely, I would just be like, eh, yeah, it was fine. But if I get like really into the details of like why I don't think this particular detail works, that is in a weird way, a sign of love of me kind of, uh, again, disappointment's not even really the right word. Cause again, there's a lot in these chapters I liked, but there's a lot of things that I didn't think landed particularly well. And we can get into the details later. I apologize for everyone who was hoping that I would be super hyped and excited by uh, a lot of what happened in these chapters. I was excited and hyped by quite a bit of it, but there are other details that uh, we can get into later. And yeah, sorry to be the downer. Well, we'll see uh, how it breaks down. Um, I do agree that this is a a weird way to read this book, to stop for several days immediately upon finishing chapter 34. Um, but yeah, we'll see what the the impact of that and of everything that we read about is we can head into our chapters then uh for just a couple more times we're starting with an epigraph again uh we're back to just kind of some some background lore here uh the 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 writer of the logbook past uh is talking about the the mood differences between uh clenium where he is from and the people of terrace and how even though some of the, the terrorist people don't very much like uh, Clenium, they do, uh, there is a, an element of envy where they appreciate the the architecture, the the fashion, the kind of um, image that, that the Clenny people cultivate. So a, a weird kind of world building tangent here. It is weird, but it is interesting that like a pretty big theme of the book so far has been well everyone just kind of gets their fashion sense from the lord ruler and whatever he's like whatever he does what he's wearing it very much informs how the nobility acts um so the idea that very early on um proto lord ruler was in some sort of way impacting the culture of those around him um is kind of an interesting through line it's a fair point proto lord ruler sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card it really does <laughs> you have to play it first and then sacrifice it in order to summon actual Lord Ruler, uh, obviously. As a side note, I'm very tired, so all of my great input this episode will be shit like that. Maybe not hard-hitting analysis from me this time, but definitely thoughts on Yu-Gi-Oh! A game I did not play. Great. So then we, we start into our chapter proper uh, as kind of one of the last moments of calm before the storm. Uh, we get some some time chatting uh, one more time around with Vin and Spook. Uh, I like that the the chapter opens by Vin accidentally startling him, and then there's kind of a a recurring bit of 
all of these people are so on edge and and so on lookout that they're just constantly startling each other. What's interesting about too is like a couple pages later he talks about uh, how being a good tenai is all about what you can ignore mm-hmm. rather than what you can focus on. So maybe he was ignoring that side a little bit too much. Quite possibly. So what Spook can see as he is uh, on lookout uh, is that the house war is now in full effect. Uh, mission uh, general mayhem seems to have been accomplished as uh, Ilarial soldiers are openly attacking Keep Hasting. Uh, there's destruction and fires in the streets. So yeah, well done, Kelsey, on that part of the plan. Uh, Vin has some kind of musing about the, this is one of the most impactful historical events in you know, probably centuries. And she's realizing that she was distinctly part of it. Uh, and that's a bit of a weird feeling to be that that close to something so impactful. And then we have a, uh, a brief romance debrief uh, as, as Vin has to let Spook down of, yes, I know Ellen broke up with me. You probably heard about that, but also I'm not really that into you. Sorry. Oh, and it all starts with Vin asking Spook to talk normal. What romance? There, there is that too, which seems like it's got to be kind of offensive. Yeah, I've never been on board with everyone be like being annoyed with Lestaporn speaking in his native tongue. It was, with everyone, say it seems, everyone, it's just me. Well, it's Breeze too. Like it's it's not just you. Um, yeah, that, that's a little weird. And then I don't expect Vin to have like incredible social grace. No, she's a, she's a blunt one. Although she has been at balls for a lot, but. Um, I love that she starts with, you know that Ellen broke off the relationship with me. And then she pauses to see his reaction. If you know where the conversation is going, Vin, you just got to lead straight directly into, but I still love him. I'm sorry. You, you don't give the pause for Spooky. Like, ah, yeah, what? Wh- yeah, what comes next after that? Because um, that, that does, certainly does not help matters. But, you know, she, this is like her first time ever having a conversation like this. I'm not expecting her to do it perfectly. It's just kind of funny that she's like sets him up so that she can knock him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, like Sam mentioned, we get... Uh, th- this is the latest in Vin's kind of mini-trainings. Uh, it's impromptu and and quite short, uh, but she realizes that Spook is, is definitely the most experienced Tenai in the group, and so he probably does know a thing or two. Uh, and the the insight that he has is that Tin gives you so much information that one of the key skills is learning what you can tune out, what you can ignore, and focus on the rest of it. I also love that unless the Sanderlanch is going to take a pause so we can spend some time with the clubs, there's kind of an intextual confirmation that, yeah, Copper's just kind of low tier, isn't it? Because it's like the only (laughs) one Vin hasn't gotten a lesson in. It's the potato of the metals. Stop. <laughs> stop it. Don't stop it. There's gonna be there's there's enough spicy takes this episode. We're not getting into this today. Alright, I'm just gonna bludgeon straight onwards then. <laughs> Thank you. Uh Kelsier shows up again startling them, and apparently things have, have kind of with the house war how it is, things have progressed. Uh Vin has really kind of stopped playing the the Lady Valette part because there's not really a point anymore and also it's safer this way 
they note that they did have to buy Cliss's silence, and that was probably quite expensive. Which means she's not dead, which means she might come back, which makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, no, she's still uh, making that money. Good for her. And then Kelsier has has come to say that uh, he and Vin are going to head off and meet Marsh because uh, they have some things to discuss. Uh, but before we get to that meeting, uh, it is time for kind of a a payoff or at least a an interesting point in the Mythos of Kelsier arc uh, as the two of them stop by one of the uh, Ska rooming houses and, and Kelsier just does kind of a little visit and everyone is is overjoyed to see him. And it is, uh, it's an interesting moment for Vin uh, from a couple of, of points. She's looking at these Ska who are living like she used to. Uh, and she's seeing Kelsier give them uh, give them some hope, something to believe in. Um, but it also is kind of that uh, that thought of like this is something that Kelsier has consciously been doing of of building this reputation. So it's a it's an interesting scene. Very big Jesus vibes. He gets called the Lord of the Mists, and people are reaching out trying to touch his cloak. Um, it's almost kind of eerie at how this man who we know is at his core trying to do something heroic, but we know is very, very flawed, um, now very blatantly becoming this kind of messianic figure to a lot of the Ska. Um, it's it's just kind of a strange feeling. It is, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, when uh, Kelsier announces that House Hastings fell that night... Um, the the sky initial reaction is fear about how they're going to eat right um and it it reminded me a lot of like how people today react whenever they hear about like taxing the rich like if <laughs> if we mm-hmm. tax the rich then they'll leave and we won't have right. any money there's a, there's a very strong desire for just kind of basic stability and even changes that you would think would be a a a major benefit um people are definitely going to react um hesitantly sometimes i also really wish um just every time he's seen with this with the ska every time vin's with him and especially given what what happened in chapter 34 it would have been really nice for kelsey to be like oh and this is vin she's badass too instead of (laughs) Instead of like, oh, she does and, just kind and, of lurk here. Yeah, and and every time that there's like Scott, they're meeting. So, um, I feel like if if she continues this quest and she has to inspire the Scott, they'll be like, oh, you mean the the quiet girl that right, the other one, by... yeah, the other one, the other one will save us. What was her name again? Uh, I don't think I ever found out. Anyways, yeah, she'll do. Yeah, other uh, girl, other uh, girl. <laughs> the real final battle in this book is a PR nightmare of <laughs> trying to establish Vin's name. Other girl versus fourth voice. <laughs> and oh man, even a third point here. Uh, Kelsier says that they can be beaten, and a ska woman says, "quote Not by us." 
So, especially chilling given chapter 34. Yeah. Yeah. I also just think it's interesting that Kelsier is like, don't worry, I'll get food for you. And I know Doxon is good with the money and the numbers, but if you really destroy the entire nobility, I'm curious if Kelsier would be able to feed the whole city. I think there are logistics concerns that I don't think Kelsier particularly cares about um, that come with overthrowing a city. Right. In terms of people on the crew who would think about that, it's probably just Doxon and Zazid. Yeah. I have, I have hope that Doxon would be able to pull stuff together, but it's just, it's interesting that Kelsey says, oh, I'll get you one more shipment. And it's like, the more houses that collapse, the more you're going to have to do this to. And later on, mm-hmm. I believe Doxon even says, like, we're kind of running low on reserves because Kelsey keeps shipping stuff out, which, like, he should because these people are people who are going to starve otherwise. But it seems like that may have been a part of the plan that was not, not everyone was really on board with. And Kelsey just started doing it because he didn't think the logistics were that important. Um, so yeah, it's just another thing of, you know, Kelsey's just kind of doing what he's doing because he thinks it's what's best and maybe doesn't really think about the side effects too much. So looking ahead just a little bit and without saying anything in detail, um, I will say like we, we looked way back when we were starting this at, at some of Brandon's kind of vague inspirations for this book. Um, and in particular things like looking at a world where the Dark Lord won ages ago. Um, One of the things that Well of Ascension, that the second book uh, tries to look at, is just kind of the question of now what? Of whatever happens in part five, which we will get to in our next episode, um, those kind of questions of like, if all the nobility dies, how do we get our food? Um now what is a is a big question and it's one that that does get written about which i think is cool so we wrap up the the fun meet and greet session and we head off to the meeting with marsh uh, they have a a building that they were going to to meet it's one of the potential future soothing stations i believe uh they're going to get some some info on uh what the ministry is is doing in reaction to the house war uh, and then hard cut to a total scene of gore and a complete disaster. Is This is immediately, the, the first thing they see is uh, the, the room is, is a complete mess. This is bad even compared to the, the ministry hits on the thieving crews that Vin had seen. Um, the, the body in the center is like, I, I think they say it's, yeah, it's barely recognizable as human, the things that they've done. <laughs> And they they just run because this is kind of the worst case scenario here. Yeah, it was probably about time for them to relearn lesson number one of heist uh, movies is that if a part of the plan is going too well, it's a sign that something's secretly wrong. And if anything was going too well, it, it probably was Marsh's part with all of the uh, all of the the focus and attention he was getting. Hey, we'll hand you all of our secrets. Don't worry about it. They kept bringing that up. They're like, I think they like me a whole heck of a ton anyway. It's weird how much they like me, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a scene that I can get a little bit into. Um, there's a couple of things here. One, I understand why there's an Inquisitor around so they need to run, but like, it just kind of goes by so fast that the emotions didn't really hit me. I know we get Kelsier's like, reaction to it later on, 
um, but it just kind of happens in the span of, in total, about one page. Um, so, I don't know, it just, considering I love Kelsier and I liked Marsh, and Marsh was an older brother character, which I have a weird complex about, I would have expected to be devastated by this death, and I don't know, I just really didn't quite click for me. Um, so, there was that. I think also a part of it is just, like, there's been almost no on-screen, quote-unquote on-screen, it's a book, but almost no on-screen death. It's always them finding bodies. So, I don't know, the fact that this is like the third time this has happened where they walk into a room and, oh no, there's a dead person in here that we were really hoping to talk to or get to know. Um, I don't know, something about it just didn't quite click for me, which I, I was a little little saddened by. Well, we will see if uh, in the, the ensuing chapters there is perhaps any time to kind of unwind this and all the other things that are going to happen. And yeah, I think in terms of like older brother times, Kelsey and Marsh didn't get that much screen time together, all things considered. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not shocked that this isn't hitting as hoped. Fair. So very briefly, um, oh, hey, look, they're back in clubs' shop. Uh, maybe they've realized dun, that things dun. are already going so wrong that it can't get worse by showing up here. <laughs> and for the record, they're not joking around this time. They're actually planning. That, that is true. Uh, Marsh had sent uh, one more note, uh, and Doxon is, is going over what they learned from that. The things that, that Marsh did know uh, is that the ministry seems fairly isolated from the state of the city and the world. Uh, he points out that the Inquisitors are fanatically devoted to the Lord Ruler in particular, even more so than the rest of the ministry, uh, and that he is uh, he's close to discovering something, but is aware that he is being closely watched, and that's the end of it. So th it really would have been nice to know what he was going to tell them at the meeting, but this feels like it's it's like one step right before what they really needed. Yeah, it actually very much echoes back to uh, the journal and it just kind of ending, right, as you're, you think you're about to get the really important information. Mm -hmm. um, there's kind of a, a frustration that I feel with the characters here of, damn it, and we were really close to. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's upsetting. I'll, t I'll say that much. And after going over this info, Kelsier is immediately taking action. Uh, he says, it's time to bail. Everyone needs to get out, uh, get Renew out, get everyone else uh, out of their positions. Uh, he, Kelsier's first uh, assumption is that uh, when the Inquisitors capture someone, they torture them and they break them. So everything that Marsh knew, which was almost everything, now the Inquisitors know and they need to run. So he is sending the whole crew to a, a backup location that only he and Docs were aware of. Uh, and he is going off on his own mission uh, to do some damage. And we will see what that is in just a moment. I wonder if they should be considering more that the Inquisitors are linked to Vin in some way. I, I, I'm curious if the Inquisitors actually broke Marsh or if they're if something else is happening um because they certainly do seem to have a lot of information but it's been established that they should have information that they really shouldn't know at this point um so 
Yeah, I'm just curious if, like, this relocation was even necessary. I'm curious if, like... I don't know, part of me is also, like, if they've got everything out of Marsh, why didn't they hit Clubs' shop yet? It, it seems like either they don't actually have all the information Kelsier's worried they do, or they're just kind of toying with them at this point, which is also terrifying. Which is pretty concerning, um, yeah. 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 Um, but there's just a couple of misalignments of information here that I think are really interesting to ponder what exactly is happening there. It's definitely a oh shit moment, if nothing else, based on their reactions. Because, mm-hmm. you know, previously their entire army got slaughtered and the rest of the crew was like, okay, that's it. Time to give up. Here's, we're going to go our separate ways. We had a good run. And then they rallied and pulled it together and kept going. And this time, you know, they're still not giving up on the job, but the impact of, okay, we are pulling out now. We are going to this backup location. They know everything. It's chilling. And right on the back of this scene, we get uh, another kind of end of book Sanderson special. Uh, It's time for a completely new POV character. Waylon. As we cut from Kelsier going off to, to do something... Uh, to this man, Waylon, who we rapidly learn is currently a prisoner in the pits of Hathsin. And so we get to see a brief glimpse we've heard kind of secondhand from Kelsier's past, but this is Hathsin as it is functioning. Uh, and it's a pretty horrifying place. Um, Sam, I believe you'd mentioned some of your internet browsing on caving incidents and that sort of stuff. This is This is pretty messed up here. Yeah, it was it, it was pretty pretty freaky to read it, um, but but I got through it. You know, it was only a couple pages. Yeah, we see uh, he finds one of the um, the key Hassan geodes. Uh, he's on his way back up, and what he discovers when he arrives at the surface uh, is that all of the guards have been killed. Uh, and Kelsier is there, uh, helps him up, sends him uh, free on his way. Says if you if you sell what's in there, you'll be able to to live your life. Uh, and that now Waylon is also a survivor. So a, a a good moment there. Also feels very reminiscent of the first scene of the book uh, or the prologue rather, um, where Kelsier just kind of shows up destroys everything that's keeping the prisoners in place and then says all right get out of here um this time he's even offering less guidance he just says escape find a city and then sell what you have um like he's giving them the adium that will help them out but he doesn't even tell them like head out into those specific woods where you can find the rebels he's just like yeah get out of here um which you know knowing his mindset it's very understandable that he wouldn't like you know heroically lead them away from Hathsin uh, before he does what he does next. Um, but just interesting to see kind of this repeating theme of Kelsier fucking shit up and then saying, all right, you're free, head out, because um, mm-hmm. he has other more important things to do. At least we now have a solution to our PR problem. We lost one survivor of Hathsin. Yeah, we we now have a second. It's this guy. Get Waylon up in there. That He's got girl this, I'm sure. and this guy. Yeah. And now uh, Kelsier manages to destroy a hole in the ground, which they they get to later. But th- this is 
this was the thing that he was uh he was off to do was uh he has he's returned to the pits because one of the things that he knows is that uh using allomancy in close proximity to the the half sin crystals uh destroys them and it prevents them from from forming atium uh, and that is that's one of the reasons why they can't just like have um coin shots or thugs use their their metal site to find all these these bits of atium uh, and so he goes down there and just destroys every atium crystal he can find and it is going to uh in his words uh shut down atium production in the final empire for the next few centuries so this is kind of the last big piece of general mayhem that he could have possibly done because uh, this is going to be a huge deal. Yeah, it's also, I do appreciate that um, probably not the style uh, Marsh would have gone with, but a very Marsh decision to, well, I'm going to do something that's going to fuck things up for decades to come, even if my little plan doesn't work, um, which was a lot of Marsh's whole deal of like, the information I'm going to get is going to help people for decades even if I don't technically accomplish the specific thing I'm trying to do. Um, so, you know, a nice little echo of Marsh's whole philosophy of what rebellion can actually do. Mm -hmm. It also kind of feels like um, this is not maybe something Kelsier... I mean, obviously, it's kind of an impromptu thing he does, but this this is like a very extreme action to take, and it almost seems like uh him accepting that the plan is dead let's just destroy as much as we can before it's like before we're all dead <laughs> it's kind of what yeah. it feels like yeah this is a this is a drastic move and even even by Kelsier's standards this seems reckless i will also just sorry nitpick caleb's going to show up every once in a while um considering the reputation hatson has this also just felt very easy. Um, it's been established that like it's not super heavily guarded because a lot of their plan was send the army as kind of a fake attack, wait for reinforcements to show up. Um, so I guess it's just it's not it's not inconsistent with what's come before necessarily. Um, but as reckless as it is, the idea that Kelsier at pretty much any point could have gone and just destroyed the entire Adium supply of the Empire um, in the span of a page and a half um i don't know it just it just feels a little bit easy to me wasn't the original plan like that they were going to send a thousand soldiers to take it easily or something yeah i i guess it's just those soldiers weren't going to actually destroy the supply they were just going to occupy it as a distraction um the 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 ease in which destroying the atom crystals occurred uh, is what kind of surprised me no, I'm with you. I'm agreeing with you. Like, um, the, him just effortlessly coming and taking it when the idea was that a thousand people would be required is a little bit of a stretch for me. Maybe because they're busy hunting people down and there's less people there. I don't know. But, yeah, it's weird. Well, we will see what uh, the consequences of this action are because I don't know if, if Cal has even thought them through quite yet. I can guarantee you he hasn't. Yeah, actually, you're probably right. On to our chapter 33 epigraph. Uh, we are close now, which we are. We're approaching the end of the epigraphs and of this part. 
we now we have some some more kind of weird magic tidbits. Uh, we hear about a a lake that Fedic had discovered, uh, and it's it's kind of bizarrely smooth. And we we hear a little bit more about the attack that happened, where Fedic was attacked by this strange mist creature uh, with some sort of invisible knife, uh, which the 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 logbook writer says this is weirdly comforting because if it stabbed Fedek, then at least I'm not crazy. Which is something that non-crazy people say. Yeah, usually when you're you're thinking that means I'm not crazy, you're already pretty close to the edge. And now in chapter 33, uh they have they've made it to the backup layer. Uh it is they're in like a, a dirty cellar right now. It's not a a great place, but you do what you can when you need to. And they're the crew's kind of chatting on what happens now, assuming that they actually get away with not being hunted down personally. Plan's dead. Time to to break things up and and go on your own way. And then, as happened the last time that they thought that the plan was dead, uh, Kelsier shows up and. It turns out that things are continuing in another way. As he says, uh, I destroyed the Pitsvathsin. And even amongst all of this drudgery and sadness, Breeze is here to pick me up. <laughs> there's there's all sorts of just tiny little quips amongst mm-hmm. the, the depression. But then, I destroyed the Pitsvathsin, Kelsier said quietly. You know, Breeze finally said... You'd think that by now we'd have learned not to underestimate him. <laughs> yeah. I just like that he's still going. Yeah, his whole vibe has not really changed through all this. Like, they're talking about, <laughs> oh, is the plan dead? And Breeze is like, yeah, that's fine. Well, then we're going to get another job. It's going to be cool. He's, he's, just, he's, just, he's just chill. I, I always appreciate Breeze. There. There's a really good Breeze moment coming up, actually, that I really, really love. Um, but uh, we'll get to it when we get to it. Ham's not optimistic for the first time ever, and Breeze continues to be pessimistic, and yet... Uh, Docs asks if it's worth it anyway, and they both nod, which is pretty great. Yeah, this is you know even even though even as they are talking about going their own separate ways, this is a crew that has come together. I I just read the sentence uh, from Docs. You're good men. Even you, Breeze, stop scowling at me. <laughs> even when he's not saying anything, Breeze is great. But yeah, we we get a little bit of unpacking on the consequences of what Kel has just done. Yeah, Kelsier says, I pretty much ended ATM production in the Final Empire for the next 300 years or so. Uh, which, as Vin realizes, this is going to fall very heavily on House Venture. Oops. So, Whoopsies. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Whoops-a-doodle. <laughs> well, Kel did not promise to keep house venture safe so sure didn't i think he said that he'd do what he could yeah for the record he didn't even promise not to kill ellen he's like i'll try not to <laughs> and vin was sort of okay with that <laughs> yeah. when she initially not the killing but when <laughs> when she initially revealed what the weakness of house venture was there was a, a brief aside where she was like you know I'm not betraying them out of spite, so that's probably fine. 
And it's going really well so far. Oh, yeah. Everyone's taking everything really well in this chapter, and that will remain yeah. true through the end of the chapter. Everyone taking everything yeah. really well and thinking about things yeah. in a healthy manner. So there's a, a brief bit of, of optimism from Kelsier as, as he says, when he hears that Clubs' shop hasn't actually been attacked yet, he says maybe Marsh didn't give them everything, uh, and maybe they have a little more leeway than he thought, but... Uh, he intends to continue and docs says you know that shouldn't we stop here before we all really do die after a, yet another close call uh, and all kelsier has is we'll talk tomorrow uh, as he is gonna go collapse after what he's just done uh, on the next day there's a little time for vin and sazed to think about what has happened the two of them have been uh, a little busy since Sazed went home from that party to tell Kelsier what was going on. Uh, and Sazed doesn't know what's coming next either. Uh, one thing that Vin wants to to know is, uh, with all of the knowledge that Sazed has, did he know any of these 11th metal legends? Uh, and, and he says, no, he, uh, he didn't. He heard them for the first time from Kelsier. So that is just kind of another weird little bit on where that info actually came from and how much it's true i will say the 11th metal has fully well no i have i have theories about it but in general just fully stumped me because from the beginning i was like it's definitely fake it's all bullshit but then we get that one chapter where it's from kelsier's perspective and he's like man i really hope i can figure out how to use the 11th metal it's like okay well then what the what's going on with you man yeah that's one of the 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 big question marks that's still left yeah (laughs) Or maybe he knows that we're reading his mind and he's thinking extra hard. Whoa. The 12th right? medal. I bet someone has written that book in like a really weird postmodern thing where it's not even that the main character is like writing down an in-universe book and is lying in it, but is is somehow aware that they are being externally observed and are trying to deceive the reader. Uh, what's that video game where at the end they uh, beg you not to turn it off because it means they'll be dead forever? Well, there's one of those out there. Anyways, uh, back to the <laughs> existential anyway, of this book. Literature Club? Uh, that, that has themes of it, but I am thinking of a different one. Fun fact, the, the uh, lead developer of DDLC is also one of the um, main contributors to um, software for running professional Smash Bros. Melee tournaments. That weirdly doesn't surprise me in some yeah. way. Dan Silvato has done a bunch of really weird, cool stuff. And so now we go further on to this uh, very eventful day. Uh, Kelsier has has woken up from his, probably from his pewter drag uh, sleep. And they hear that uh, it is time for another round of executions. So we saw this uh, a couple episodes back. And... Vin is is not looking forward to what what she thinks is going to be more of the same of having to to watch these and and see the the Lord Ruler kind of crack down on on everyone. Ah, if it isn't the consequences of my actions. <laughs> There's a very specific detail here that's that very much changes the next couple of chapters, which is clubs Sazed and the apprentices remain with the safe house. 
I have no idea how this scene would have played out if Seizug was present, but I know it would have played out incredibly differently. I'm just so curious to visit that alternate reality. That is an interesting point. But yeah, we have uh, Kelsier and Vin, along with Breeze, Ham, and Docs, uh, are going to go to the square. Uh, and there's a there's a little interlude where Kelsier is considering trying to fight off the guards and free the prisoners from the carts on the way in, uh, which th- the rest of the crew collectively kind of has to work together to uh, get him to not throw himself into this fight, at least yet. But things change pretty rapidly when, um, when assisted by Tin they realize that uh, they know some of these prisoners, that uh, Spook and Renault are among the ones captured. So everything really is kind of falling apart here. And Kelsier is once again going to spring into action and we'll see how much of a plan he actually has and and what he can manage to, to pull off. I do, before I move on, I do love the detail of um, the pewter birders just like all right we got to climb the roof to get a better look and breeze and dachshund are like okay we'll take the stairs i guess i just I really <laughs> like that detail and then vin and kelsier are just like launching themselves all over the place and now we get to uh kelsier and with a couple of of uh diversions back to seeing the the rest of the the crew's reaction to what's happening Basically, the rest of this and the next chapter is one giant fight between Kelsier and basically everyone. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, what what Vin realizes is that this seems like it's a trap, that there are uh, inquisitors and huge numbers of guards coming in. Uh, and Kelsier, even with all of his power, is going to be pretty fantastically outmatched. Uh, but a fight begins and it starts with Kelsier and the inquisitor from before who at this point Kelsier can recognize. So it's the same one who has been trailing them. And again, his first question, his his first question is where's the girl? Oh man, this whole page, page 572. I absolutely love because I can picture with crystal clear clarity you know, he he goes, he rips the the door off its hinges, and in there is a like just a shape in a brown robe. It stands to its full height. Instantly, oh shit, it's an inquisitor because it's you know seven feet tall, and then takes off its hood, and time to fight. <laughs> and then I won the draw. Yes, I was just yeah, about that's to a, say that's a pretty badass. Just chills, yeah. It's also one of the first bits of personification that we've gotten from one of the Inquisitors. Yeah, they haven't really had any real personality until now, but you can tell this guy is, like, really happy to be here, um, Mm -hmm. which is very threatening. Um, Yeah, speaking on Zam's point, not only is it it cinematic, uh, you can also just picture the, like, boss fight health bar showing up and, like, filling up and you're like, oh, that's a long mm-hmm. health bar. This is going to be a tough one. Yeah. Where it's the kind of health bar where it fills up with red and then it fills up with green and then it fills up with yellow. And this is one Inquisitor. And we know that there are some 40 of them total and the Lord Ruler. So 
this is this is quite a fight and even if it did go better than it did there would still be so much in Kelsier's way so they get to they start with their kind of alimantic battles they're throwing these giant pieces of the the cart and the doors and whatnot at each other ham has arrived he had had run off when the chaos started uh to go get some of the the squads that they had been positioning through the city uh so that is there's some help there we get some some friendly ads to kind of try to to even the numbers up here caleb how how deviously excited were you when you saw ham getting up in the scrumble i have i have two notes here one there is a point where it describes the inquisitor as trailing kelsier with unnatural eyes which is the understatement of the century yeah <laughs> i'll give you that one um and then yeah i also have in my notes ham so that's where you went sacrificing yourself a little earlier than i had planned but i'll take it <laughs> um un- but but kelsier's plan goes poorly and ham actually survives which is really where things go wrong for kelsier we finally cracked it. Yeah, I, got, I, I connected all the dots. Ham's just better at surviving than Kelsier gave him credit for, and that's the only reason anything in this chapter happens the way it does. I can say with great confidence, you in fact didn't connect shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do love uh, up next, we get to see Breeze being a support uh, class in this yep. in this fight. Um, and... Oh yeah, I I forgot. I, I we breezed over the yeah, breeze. Uh, we breezed over, over the breeze moment that I really like. Because um, not only do we get here, uh, Vin saying how can I help and and trying to help the battle from there, um, but earlier on there is the panicked moment of um, um, ah, where exactly is it? I think it might be when they're first getting. Ah, I don't quite remember. Everyone is rushing into the fight, essentially. Um, and Vin is like, what are we doing? Where are we going? What's going to happen? He's, he's kind of freaking out. Yeah, so it's at the, uh, on page seven, 571. Um, uh, Dachshund is like, come on, we got to help our friends. What's wrong with you, Vin? Why aren't you helping? Um, and then Breeze comes up right behind her and is like, all right, I just need to get to a place where we need the soldiers come with me. And he's just kind of like, understands that Vin is going through a lot and is like, all right, I'm just going to help her focus up. I'm going to give her a simple goal. She's going to be with me. That's what's going to happen. Um, I appreciate that Breeze is willing to just kind of get straight to business in order to help Vin kind mm-hmm. of get through this mental block she's working with. Yeah, he's definitely more competent than I think he gives himself credit for. Yeah. So the fight is going to continue. Uh, it is, with Ham's soldiers arriving, it is pretty much a, a straight one-on-one fight between Kelsier and this Inquisitor. Uh, as, as they are kind of going back and forth... Uh, and we get everyone's favorite person showing up. Ellen Venture here to fuck everything up. My brother in Christ, I swear to God. Well, if I may. Uh, and you may. This is after he finds out th- that Vin is a ska and ostensibly mm-hmm. trying to rob him. Mm-hmm. And here here he is. Like, this takes balls, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I am... I am criticizing his intellect, but certainly not his his courage or his his devotion to someone who he really did love. It's I, just I I would like to counter um, in that uh, I remember a long time ago I got a, a book about uh, SpongeBob SquarePants because I was a big fan of the show growing up, and there was a little bit of an analysis um, on Patrick Starr 
uh, in there in which uh, it describes how um, he appears to be brave and how many things he's willing to try to do. Um, but the he's not really that brave. He just doesn't really understand that he's getting into dangerous situations. Um, so what may seem like bravery is in fact just stupidity. Um, so back to Elend. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know, my dude. Like, there's there is a Mistborn and an Inquisitor actively fighting each other, and he walks into yes. the middle of them. But it's it's hard to miss that that's yeah, happening. We've established that everyone and their mother fucking is terrified of Inquisitors, and he's able to approach one at all. I think that's not just stupidity. I think, oh, in fairness, he is very stupid, affectionate. <laughs> But I think that there is there is bravery here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we will leave it at that for now. He he then almost gets killed, so bravery didn't do a lot. I didn't say it had to. And Ellen Venture gets at least momentarily saved by Kelsier. So quite a uh, quite a moment there. And in that moment Kelsier decided, well my reputation is shot. I better go out in a blaze of glory now, cause uh Saved a noble. Can't recover from that. Also, him being saved by Kelsier isn't happening just yet. Yes, no, that's that's later. I'm aware. Yes. <laughs> it's all... It, I mean, it's two chapters of one fight, so there's it's a, easy. There's to... a lot to keep <laughs> track of. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of moving parts here. Uh, so we, like you said, we briefly do have a, a break here for uh, a chapter break and one more epigraph for the section. We've had this this discussion in the past of what is the the future of being the the kind of the the hero in charge and how do you get people to follow you and here he says i never wanted to be feared uh, if i regret one thing it's the fear that i have caused uh, and this right in the chapter where we see most directly the fear and the power that the lord ruler wields is a pretty pretty stark contrast and then we also get, when the fate of the world is in question, you use whatever tools are available. And despite all of the, like, kind of heroic thoughts we've been getting of this, of the author of the journal and how much he really wants to be doing the right thing and whatnot, um, this goes all the way back to, well, I'm the one with the armies. Um, mm -hmm. You can tell there is definitely that same overarching mentality here. And then the very top of this chapter, I love just this very brief pause in the fight to reestablish our environment heat from a smoky sun ska crowding the streets and ash fell from the sky just this mm -hmm. one yes. more western ass showdown in the square before we get back into it yeah chills man so good and so at this point really everything else has has fallen to the wayside this is now truly just kelsier and an inquisitor uh with no backing down or escape uh and you get to see iron and steel pulling out all the stops here. Turns out that this, and this comes up a little bit later when Vin realizes it of all of the, the different crew members that she had trained with in the different metals, uh, the ones that, that Kelsier personally taught her uh, all the way back. The, the one that they spent the most time on, on day one uh, was iron and steel. And this is really his, um, his forte it, this is where he is pretty much unmatched and there's just some really cool stuff that happens 
jumping into the cage and then mm-hmm. pushing on every single part of it to stay directly in the center. Uh, that's very, very cool. I, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he just starts maintaining this just incredible density uh, of, of objects that are being pulled and pushed and thrown around. Uh, and he's, he's being very, very precise with each one where he's managing to kind of sculpt uh, all of these things that he's throwing around. Uh, even manages to um, to to get a a bar to spin by both pulling and pushing on different parts of it, uh, which is something that if you are not exceedingly good with iron and steel, you just can't do at all. I was going to say that seemed considerably out of at least Vin's wheelhouse when Kelsier was teaching uh, all this stuff to her. So like, yeah, that's that's a lot of precision. Also that. Just talking of the the fight in general here, but maybe jumping back a little bit. Um, I'm curious, kind of a meta conversation here, how live action uh, Atium fighting here would go. It would be so chaotic. It would look like a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, it would look like a nightmare. (laughs) I mean, there's already enough going on right now, but, you know, I feel like with animation it would go a lot better. Perhaps. Live action. I also feel like we would get flashes of their perspective using Adium, but for the most part, it would probably be like when the camera is zoomed out, we see both of them in frame at the same time. We just don't see the Adium activating and we just see the metal flying around. Probably. Because, yeah, the uh, like there's there's literally a point where Kelsier is like using the Adium shadows and it just blocks the vision because there's right. so many of them happening. Um, so like, yeah, that would be hard to keep track of because it was hard for the Inquisitor to keep track of too. So as this this fight continues, uh, Kelsier has a, a moment of, of hope here uh, as Ham's soldiers are, uh, they're doing pretty well actually in the, the fights that they have against the guards. Uh, he sees uh, Ska starting to resist. He, he thinks that he's, he's finally given them something to fight for. Uh, and it's paying off. We then have a, a quick uh, moment of seeing some of the other important characters in this scene. Uh, as was mentioned, uh, Lord Renault was one of the one captured. Uh, so he is here. Uh, Ellen manages to find him. So good on him. Kelsier thinks, kid, you're really starting to annoy me. Uh, which, surprise, it's taken this long. To be fair, has Kelsier met Ellen almost He at knows all? of him. I don't think the two of them have come face to face at all yeah well he did spy on him um when the boys were having their that's true so he knows what he looks like at least uh and as uh ellen is is trying to do his impromptu interrogation uh renault takes an inquisitor axe to the back yeah renault takes the the axe to the back the inquisitor then turns on ellen uh and here is is where kelsier has to kind of have a bit of a change of heart uh, because he realizes um, with how much that he cares for Vin and how much Vin really does still love Ellen uh, that perhaps uh, this one doesn't deserve to die right here uh, and makes a, a a charge to knock the Inquisitor off balance and does manage to save Ellen's life there. And I'll point out uh, Ellen did not end up getting Kelsier killed here and in fact I feel like this was seeing Ellen 
remembering like how much Vin loves him and and all the the um the talk from previous chapters about like betrayal and all that um this enrages him obviously because uh, he steel pushes like hell and, and does all this amazing stuff but uh it's probably the push he needed to kill the inquisitor to finally like get past that, that treading water that they're doing and even then he's still kind of annoyed with himself can't believe I just saved a nobleman, Kelsier thought, as he is struggling to choke out an Inquisitor. You better appreciate mm-hmm. this, girl. <laughs> and there's a there's a brief moment of, uh, again, of hope from from Kelsier, uh, as he he uh, briefly gains the upper hand as he is wrestling this Inquisitor to the, to the ground, realizes that the Inquisitor is fearing for his own life and therefore presumably can die, uh, but. It is it is short lived as the Inquisitor does manage to to then fight him back off, uh, and uh, here's a brief bit of weirdness that there's too much chaos going on to uh, fully digest. Uh, Renault, who took the axe uh, a full page back, um, is just kind of there leaning against the cart, looks at Kelsier, and then dies. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, does he die though? He he caught the conjurer's eyes and nodded slightly. Oh, he well he dropped to the ground with a sigh axe in his back, and then later on, Doxon says he doesn't know the biology of the chondra and whether or not that's actually fatal. Oh yeah, there's there's all sorts of things going on here. Kelsier does yell out, "Renault is dead!" So whatever's happening, Kelsier is insisting that that's what happened. Yes, that that is one data point that we have, is that Kelsier says that Renault is dead. But. It's kind of to his advantage to say that whether or not Renault is dead, because that's the only way to get Ham mm-hmm. to back off. That's him saying, "There's nothing more right. of value for you here. Right. Get out of here." Uh, we check in from from Vin's perspective on this fight. Uh, she thinks she saw Ellen, which Doc says is a bit ridiculous, don't you think? He would never do that. And yes, like you said, um, Vin sees Renault go down. Um, Doxon says that may or may not be fatal for him, but. Kelsier has managed to free most of the 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 key prisoners, uh, and now all that's left is the fight with the Inquisitor. So, uh, so Kelsier's fight with the Inquisitor is is continuing. Uh, it is it's a very physical struggle. Very briefly, they're just like punching each other, but then uh, Kel really leans into the um, his his iron and steel talents and just starts getting everything he can involved uh there's there's such a a swarm uh he's also kelsier is also in midair during this whole sequence he's pushing himself around to get into the position that he needs to be uh and it is it's just an absolute um it's it's just chaos and vin looking on and seeing this is just awed with the the skill on display here that kelsier is managing to pull off yeah, it's a lot of chaos, which is what Kelsier does best. So it, it all checks <laughs> out, and yeah, it's, it's very cool. This is also when it's noted that Kelsier is basically weaponizing Adium's shadows mm-hmm. and just pushing so much shit around, and there's so many people around, and he's flying around that it's just so chaotic that even your ATM-enhanced brain is is going to start to buffer, essentially. 
Yeah, and and pretty quickly after, uh, the Inquisitor starts to slip. Um, he's he's losing track of things. He's getting hit by some of the metal pieces, and the Kelsier seizes on a moment and just picks up a chunk of rock off the ground. Uh, and it, a strength fueled almost more by rage than by pewter, uh, just bashes him in the face and pins him by the eye spikes to this cart. Nails him to the cart. So brutal. So badass. And then goes over, takes the Inquisitor's own obsidian axe uh, and beheads him. And there you go. Kelsier has killed a Steel Inquisitor. Hell yeah, brother. Um, Coming in to bring the mood down a little bit. Um, Undeniably, that fight scene was fantastic and I have no issues with how cool it was, how much was going on, how much mind chess was happening. Um, I think I'm just kind of surprised by the fact that like the book kind of set up a Eureka moment in terms of what the Inquisitor's weakness is. And we have now killed one and I have no idea what the weakness was. I, I, I really don't know if there was supposed to be some detail there. It could be they can get overwhelmed in their senses very easily. Um, they can be beheaded and that kills them. Um, that does seem to be the it, thing that actually was lethal, was beheading. Yes, yes. Um, I am also weak to overstimulation and beheading. Um, so yeah, I guess fair. I'm just I'm I'm just curious exactly what the weakness is meant to be. And I'm surprised... I wouldn't even be disappointed by this particular point, but I am surprised that we have gotten a pretty much, especially when when Lord Ruler comments on it in a couple pages, confirmed Inquisitor is dead for good, um, and we don't really know exactly what the weakness is still. Um, I don't know. It was just a little bit strange to me. Well, there's still about 39 of them out there, so we'll have to see what <laughs> uh, what happens for the next Plenty one. Of time. Uh, I believe at one point... In this series, there is a fight that involves 12 Inquisitors. Oh, boy. Yeah. But yeah. Is that there's... called power creep? I mean, it kind of <laughs> is. Uh, conversation, con- Conservation of ninjutsu, I believe, is the TV trope uh, mm-hmm. that can be applied there. Um, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've, we've got quite know? a while. How you know? That's what the part is called. <laughs> of course. Honestly. Dancers in a sea of mist conservation of ninjutsu uh so in the the wake of this victory there is there's a moment of hope here uh the the ska have have seen what's happened this has really kind of turned things around for them seeing the the inquisitor be defeated uh and kelsier himself has a moment of maybe this doesn't have to go the way i assumed uh and then the lord ruler arrives and and we've been Speaking waiting of bringing the mood down <laughs> we've been waiting to actually see him on page for 33 and a half chapters now and he finally does his his cart arrives and vin sees a man is is her first thought it's just it's just a guy uh he's he's a dude. <laughs> he's, he's Great, dressed in a guy. He's dressed in a, a <laughs> uniform. Uh, it's very stark. Uh, he's wearing uh, a whole bunch of rings. And it's... Uh, yeah, he's he's just like... He, he's just a powerful-looking person. And that's kind of startling for Vin. 
uh, as he arrives on the battlefield, uh, there's a, a group of soldiers, uh, one of Ham's uh, trained thugs, uh, who rushes the, the Lord Ruler with a spear. Uh, Lord Ruler does not react whatsoever as he is speared straight through the chest. And again, as the, the, the guy grabs another spear and spears him again, Lord Ruler just keeps walking. I love that Vin, who has not had any direct exposure to the Lord Ruler yet, and that only knows him by reputation, sees that happening. It's just like, oh no, that's not going to end well. Because he doesn't, the Lord Ruler doesn't even do anything about this. He just keeps going, and the Inquisitors with him turn and and slaughter this little group. Hacking gleefully, which is a very eerie description. Yeah, we've we've seen now a couple of bits of personification from them, and it all seems to indicate that they really, really like this. And we get a a conversation straight up between uh, the Lord Ruler and Kelsier, which I believe is something that has also been we've been waiting for for a, quite some time. Uh, and it's not a lot of not a lot of words are exchanged. Yeah, a shorter conversation than I expected. Uh, the Lord Ruler looks at the the Inquisitor that Cal managed to defeat and says, those are very hard to replace. Uh, and then there's there's some back and forth on how the Lord Ruler says that I killed you once. And Kelsier gets one more uh, dramatic speech here uh, about how he is hope and, and cannot be killed. And then the Lord Ruler literally just backhands him to death. He, he hits Kel so hard that his neck breaks that Vin can hear takes the spear out of his own chest and stabs Kelsier with it. And that kind of chaos just takes us to the end of the chapter as that's the way that it all kind of falls apart there. It's just rough because when you stab someone who's unconscious, that's automatically two death saves failed. I just want to point out that not only did Ham not die, he indirectly killed Kelsier. Because his men... What? His men stabbed Lord Ruler with the spear, and oh. then Lord Ruler took the spear that was stabbed through from the soldier that Ham trained into Kelsier, which killed him. So it's all Ham's fault. Spears Got don't kill people. Hams kill people. I'm sure the Lord Ruler would not have killed Kelsier if it weren't for the spear that he used to do it. I'm sure he had no other things he would have done. <laughs> yeah, the bitch slap of death was meaningless. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's the end of part four. That's the end of our chapters as... We see Vin in particular in shock as to what has just happened. We've only got four chapters and an epilogue left, uh, and we need to see what actually happens from here. So, uh, so my notes in their in their usual bluntness. By the way, I used uh, twelve exclamation points and one hundred and sixty words on my notes on this chapter because it's an exclamation <laughs> pointy chapter. Um, but it says, Lord Ruler slaps Kelsier so hard he breaks his neck, then spears him through the chest. Vin is big sad. <laughs> Just Same, true. Bro. She's very sad. <laughs> I, you know, in a very darkly interesting way, it is kind of funny on the reread how many times Brandon manages to convey just how killed Kelsier got. Mm-hmm. Like, he could, you could hear the crack resound through the, the square. Vin went to his body. She saw his single dead eye. She prodded his body, feeling for a pulse. There was none. Ham runs up and confirms the crew leader is dead. Like, Brandon knew that we would just be reading this going, no, there's no way. 
and so included like seven different ways. Like check and it I will out, admit, guys. I will admit it was it was not until the pulse that I really bought it because I was like, ah, he could be two face Kelsier. That could be cool. <laughs> this is we are Lady Cliss and uh, Brandon Sanderson is Vin, and he's he's trying to make us get that Kelsier is dead. Oh, wave after wave of rioting and soothing. <laughs> Sorry, this ties into something I posted in chat earlier, which I will now share, which is Vin is Gaslight, Shan is Gatekeep, and Cliss is Girl Boss. The idea of Vin gaslighting Lady Cliss into saying, I'm dead, I died, is very interesting. <laughs> I, I probably won't happen, but would be interesting if. <laughs> Write it down. All right. Uh, I don't want to di- divert us for too long from talking about the, the consequences of what we have just seen uh but we do have one or two depending on if you count Wayland's notability um we saw the lord <laughs> ruler on screen and so we do need to kind of wrap up our casting discussion and and see what we have for there yep mm. was there was there enough uh time to to consider who would play one of the more important characters in this story given everything else that was going on yeah, well, it is super important. Um, I, I do have I do have castings for both of them. Yeah. Okay. I don't have one for I do have two castings, but one's a recast, and I don't have uh, Waylon. Okay. Uh, let's start with Caleb then this time. All right. Uh, Waylon's very simple. I just went with I don't know someone who gave me the same vibes in the one scene I've seen him in. Uh, but I cast Thomas Robbins, who is known as playing uh, Deagle Spiegel's brother in uh, the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh when yeah. He first gets the ring. Um, you know, just kind of a guy who's, you know, huddled over for most of the scenes he's in trying to find special, like, he's he, Yeah, he's in a bad circumstance. <laughs> he's trying to find some things. Okay. Yeah, and he might end up dead uh, right after uh, the scene he's featured in because he's just left on to his own devices. Who knows? Um... I'm I'm kind of glad I get to retract the Jeremy Irons button because we can save him for something good uh, later on down the line. But clearly, from the description we get, uh, he would not be the best casting or the most uh, accurate casting in terms of the description we get in the book for Lord Ruler. Um, for one thing, I was tragically reminded, uh, and this isn't who I'm casting, but I was tragically reminded of uh, Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending when I read the description <laughs> of the Lord Ruler. Um, so that kind of took a little bit of the scariness and eeriness out of the scene, but, um, I did not end up going in that route. Uh, however, I would like to apologize profusely to one singular member of our audience because, um, younger than Kelsier, uh, kind of creepy vibes, um, skinny, uh, I went with Timothy Chalamet. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I just heard the particular member of our audience enter the kitchen behind me. <laughs> oh, so sorry, but uh, that is that is what came to mind. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, uh, Sam, you have uh, a casting for the Lord Ruler, and then you said you also have a recast. Yes. Uh, so, um, as a as a consolation to the people who. Uh, I, I I changed my mind on Spook because he has gone through a terrible circumstance and I would have felt bad if, if he died as 
the weird kid from Stranger Things. I'm sorry, weird kid from Stranger Things. Um, but I went ahead and recast him uh, as Keir Gilchrist, um, who I think is a, a better actor and more interesting. Um, so that's my new spook. And then for the Lord Ruler, um, and then uh, before I say the Lord Ruler, uh, a la Dan Vogelbach. Um, <laughs> a powerful it's not, start to a sentence. It's not like... Dan Vogelbach isn't going to suddenly change career and become Dachshund. No. Like, it, it's just... So but, the person but that, was the, name, that was the impression that you got. Exactly. And, and this is kind of an impression casting. Uh, maybe at some point I'll get uh, a human or, or a living person casting. Um, but for the moment, this is just who I visualize. Um, I went with uh, Klaus Nomi, um, who's a, a, a kind of a performance artist. Um, who passed away in 1983, um, but he fits the description. He's he's tall, thin. He has a, a black kind of exaggerated, very exaggerated suit, um, and he's got this very vague, ominous. Well, not so vague. It's very obvious, ominous kind of uncomfortability to him, which is kind of part of the act. Um, and that's who I picture uh, as Lord Ruler. It's an interesting way to to take it um because this was i don't have a particular person in mind um but one of the things that i was thinking for this casting is uh this is a place where you could cast a well-established like very famous kind of like movie star movie star um because the the lord ruler is is stated to be like handsome and imposing and um they they just have they're more like put together than i think vin expects the this evil person to be um so i think it it could be a small role where you could get like a like a big name star to do just a, a small part <laughs> you can blow your budget on that <laughs> yeah like chris pratt oh god <laughs> I, I think maybe anybody but chris pratt <laughs> if he's good enough for mario He's is not he, good enough for I Mario. I don't think he you is good enough for Mario. I think the entire internet's in agreement on that. Oh, I have a strange segue to a casting of my own, a rare addition to my great list. Okay. Um. Uh, Chris Pratt is also slated to voice Garfield. That's correct. However, the internet would prefer if someone else would voice Garfield, that someone else being Matt Berry who my friend and audience member Jack brought up as a casting for Breeze that I wholeheartedly agree with. Uh, Matt Berry, currently best known for playing Laszlo in What We Do in the Shadows and having just the greatest accent of all time. And I just hear, now I'm just hearing all of Breeze's lines in that voice. Why is he on the Gorillas wiki? What? Have they done a collab? Apparently, he joined Gorillaz on the live streams of Song Machine Live in 2020, where he appeared performing his version of the track Fire Coming Out of the Monkey's Head. All right. Oh, that would be a good one for Matt Berry to do, actually. Yeah, I, I, I'm very curious to see that. Beth, I'd also like to say that you've provided six castings through these episodes, and two of them are Matt. And of my six castings, those two Matts are two of the serious ones, so yeah. I stand by it. <laughs> 
I just want to see Matt Berry stand on a rooftop in an ash-stained world and just go, You really are the most devious bastard in the final empire. I can totally see, like, Matt Berry as Breeze. I think that's a pretty good casting, actually. All right, so now, where the hell do we go from here? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the question that I've spent three pages ruminating on. <laughs> In my notes. Can I start? Yeah, go for it. We've got oh, yeah, predictions. Go we've got payoffs for some things, maybe. We've got just kind of trying to analyze what's gone down here. Let's see what you got. Yeah, there's a lot of angles to cover here. Um, first of all, boy, I sure did not see that coming. Um, and the reason why I especially didn't see it coming was we talked like in the second episode or something about how Kelsier is like won a tournament for most beloved fantasy character in mm -hmm. which they wrote like fights or, mm -hmm. or something akin to that um which is something you do for somebody who's around for more than seven eighths of a book yeah or you would think at least thank you for reminding me of all of the predictions that that both of you had here and beth had some predictions too nobody even thought about kelsey or dying not even beth yeah <laughs> I really dropped the ball on this one. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, it was it was a surprise. Yeah, one, I it made me sad when y'all were there were like occasional brief mentions of stuff that Kelsier would be doing in future books and I was just like, "Oh, oh no." Two, I thought there were fairly good chances that someone would call it because we've we've mentioned a couple times that Mistborn flirts with being a YA novel with your like young heroine and she's in a love triangle and she has a brave mentor figure who normally is slated for death. Yeah. Oh. I also yeah. uh, I'll get more into it when when we cut to me, but I was looking back on certain scenes and being like, "Oh, yeah, there were a couple of things that might have been pointing towards this." Um but yeah, I certainly did not see it coming at the time. It was it was only in hindsight, but uh, regardless. All right. It sure does seem like the Lord Ruler's slap was more than just pewter um, for it to destroy half of Kelsier's face. Uh, I feel like it's it, it lends credence to my Ferukumi plus Alamancy for Lord Ruler. Um, so we'll see if that's true, you know. Uh, we still don't. This is the first time we've seen him in action, and mm -hmm. there's tons of mystery around there. Um. All right, so that's that's all I have for that bit. Um, let's see. Vin, uh, is gonna have to lead the crew. Uh, she doesn't want to, but she's gonna have to. Um, and that made me think about what's left of the plan. Um, almost everyone who did anything is dead or useless now. <laughs> um, still existing are most of Ham's militia pockets. Mm -hmm. uh, clubs and apprentices who are useless if the rest of the crew is useless. And uh, <laughs> Spook as a lookout, I guess. Um, and Docs and his ledgers. Well, and, here's the thing. And Sezed. Well, Sezed oh, yeah. <laughs> is, is useful in that he's just a, a cool guy. Um, but he was... <laughs> did not kill, but did take out an Inquisitor at one point. 
that's I'm he's useful in a martial aspect, but his actual like original role is gone. Right. Um, his role of Fair. accompanying Fair. Vin, um, teaching her the finer things, blah blah blah. Um, so my my list of dead, useless, defunct here. Um, we got Kelsier. <laughs> the three genders. <laughs> Oh my god. So, uh Kelsier's dead, Marsh is dead. Uh Breeze uh can't really recruit because the heat is too high and also because you know the plan was blown and people know to look for him. Um and there's also no point in exacerbating the housework cuz it's going on. Right. Um I would argue that Dachshund is useless because Renault is blown. Uh, again, there's no point in exasperating the house war, and there's not really many expenses to deal with anymore. And uh, also deadly useless defunct is Renault, who, even if he's not dead, uh, is blown. So Right. He can't really show up again after being axed. Exactly. He's kind but of if, dead, if, useless, and defunct. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. He's He's got that. Um, so now what? Well, looking at the, what, like, 50 pages we have left uh the, the only thing i can really see is just like fuck it vin and the soldiers marking on marching on credit shaw I, I don't really see what else they're going to come up with uh vin's not really shown herself to be creative enough to come up with a better one so i guess we'll see maybe maybe they'll the the group will put their heads together and think of something but what else can you do i don't know I have noted this prediction down as fuck it, credit Shaw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good way to phrase it. Any other? Because I have more, but if there's any, no, let's keep going. Additional. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, next question is: Will the ska rise up now? Uh, their heroes dead. Um, they had the "we can't, but you can" scene that was very, like, took us out of the way. Um, took up a, a bit of page real estate. Um, so it's got to be important to see that the Scott have this, like, you're our hero without you, we're useless idea. Um, and uh, as I said, Vin was not strongly associated with Kelsier to normal Ska. Um, she accompanied him, but people could think she was just a servant or like an assistant or something. Mm -hmm. so, so why would they follow her? And also, uh, the soothing houses have presumably uh, either moved or upped their security since Marsh was made. So, not much. I don't think the Ska are really likely to rise up here. There would definitely need to be some pretty drastic uh, things taking place for that to happen, given the state that they've been left in. Um, all right. Two more. One's a little longer. Um so, uh, one question that, that keeps coming up for me uh, is why the Inquisitors keep asking about Vin. Um, I got a poo-poo-bee-bee. Probably won't happen, but would be interesting. So, my, my probably won't happen, but would be interesting. Um, the Inquisitors keep asking about Vin because her dad isn't the Lord Prelin, it's the Lord Ruler. Oh. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Um I think that their interest in capturing her is because of this. Uh, it She clearly has a hold of Allomancy that is at least advanced yep. with the amount that she's been learning and the fact that she can pierce a copper cloud. Um, and the Lord Ruler kind of has the same sort of shtick. Um, I th 
the reason why it's got the probably won't happen at the start is because it sets up for a Star Wars confrontation, which is pretty dumb. Um, <laughs> so you just don't you think know, that is a thing that that Brandon would would go to. It's it's pretty basic, but maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Could be. Probably won't happen. But it would be interesting. Would be interesting. So there. Okay. And then I have one last point. Haha. <laughs> and this is a funnel theory. It, it, you'll you'll enjoy following me here. Um, what's up with Ellen? Uh, first of all, Telden is probably dead because he's a Hasting. Uh, rest in peace to my boy Bart. Uh, here's my question. Uh, does anyone care? I mean, and I'm talking about like both in the book and outside the book. Do you guys care? Telden's dead. Not particularly. Not me neither. Really. <laughs> Who? Yeah, uh, Telden. One, one of the, He's the, one of the boys. One no, I of know. the boys. One of the boys. Yeah. Um, I'm only interested in the elusive fourth voice. That's it. I don't care about anyone else. Ah, <laughs> oh, the fourth voice. Um, but uh, will this light a fire under Elland? Okay. Maybe. We'll see. Will this kick him into some sort of actual, more direct role rather than just kind of sitting in his room and reading and, and chatting? Right. Now, keep keep following me here. Um, he's a brave boy, but he's very misguided and pretty ineffectual at the moment. Um <laughs> He, he searched the cards even though he knows Valette. Useless and defunct and close to dead. That's right. Um, but he searched the cards even though he knows Valette was a ska who wanted to rob him. Or, or at least that was his idea. And again, he did not cause the death of Kelsier. In fact, he might have lit the fire under Kelsier he needed to finish that battle. So, kind of interesting. Um, so... The final question here is, is he still useless? Um, A question now we that ask Ad ourselves daily. Now that Atium is destroyed, Venture's in big trouble, both with Lord Ruler and financially. Mm -hmm. So, uh, here's my funnel theory here, where it starts out probable, and then it gets increasingly improbable. Um, so, starting at the top here. Uh, the Lord Ruler will, he will hear about the Atium loss. In fact, he probably already has. It's probably why he's doing the execution. Well, hold on. Actually, I don't think the executions were tied to the Pits of Hathson. I think they were tied to the fact that Marsh was made. Okay. Just the, t the timeline doesn't work out the other way? Yeah, I don't think that he the word would hit that quickly. They, they don't have, like, phones or anything, so... Um... Uh, just for clarity's sake, Hatson is fairly close to credit, uh, to uh, Luthadel, isn't it? Uh, it's a, uh, about a day away, I think. Okay, so I, it's 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 feasible that the timeline is a little wonky, but with a pewter drag of Kelsier getting back and then a night's rest, it's right on the line of if Lord Ruler heard about it through conventional means, he would have had to done the executions like immediately. Um, so the time, yeah, the timeline's a little bit a little bit. Could be could be sketchy there. There there could be something there. Also, it am I blind? It doesn't look like it's on the map at the front. Uh, it is the, not. No. Yeah, I double checked yeah. earlier because I was curious about um, timeline stuff as well. But yeah, it does not appear. Um, so getting back to it, uh, the Lord really will hear about the Atium loss, and he will capture Straff and execute him 
for for failing to keep the pits of Hathson safe, contained. Um, and then from there, Ellen will take control of Venture and either from this branch, the more probable branch, uh, Venture will fall faster because he doesn't know what he's doing and is kind of an oaf. Or Elland will lead strikes to place Justice in control of Lakal and maybe other boys at the top of their houses. And then from there, the boys will unite and make peace. Then focus their attack on Credic Shaw and either will significantly weaken the defenses or open a hole for Vin to exploit. Or Vin will get the remaining troops to ally with them and they'll march on Credic Shaw together and get Vin to the fight with the Lord Ruler which I think is what we're all leading up to. It's that final fight. Okay. We have, yeah, we've got some branching paths here. It's a true funnel. Or is it a reverse funnel? Oh, could be. I don't know. Um, but one of those is certain to happen, which is that the Lord Ruler will hear about the Atium loss. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to start It would be incredible if, that, that's, if that's nothing. Like, that just does not happen at all. Lord Ruler doesn't hear about it. No one, no one bothers to tell him. Oh, man. <laughs> he'll never find out. Probably won't happen, but would be wild if... Sorry, Lord God Ruler, you seemed really busy today, so, it, you know, I didn't want to pile on. It's just one administrator who's like, ah, oh, he's going to fire me if I tell him right now. I'm just going to wait till he's in the mood. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you see those kind of underlings who just don't tell people things because they're going to get beheaded for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I would love perspective of um, someone working directly under Lord Ruler. I don't think we're going to get it, but I would be fascinated to see like what what the daily office work is like in Credit Shaw. So those are my points for this time. So popcorn, okay. Caleb. Yeah. Okay. All right. I know I've been I've, I've been kind of a downer this episode. I've been kind of critical, and I want to apologize for that. However, it's been leading up to the fact <laughs> that Attack on Titan Brain is about to come out in full force. Because right. I have also, so I many thoughts. Also, I don't think I've been that critical. <laughs> I, people are going to say that I hate the book and hate Sanderson as a person. I'm confident in that. Um, Caleb, why, why are you so negative? I know. Why I, are I you just... yelling about how much you hate this book? I'm sorry, I got so out of hand. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to take things. I have, I have, I have my Ellen thoughts. Um, which surprisingly also are not super negative uh, in terms of what, what I think will happen going forward. Um, and then I have just a big chunk of theory that's, I think, connecting a lot of dots. Um, we'll go with Ellen first. Um, in terms of what will happen with Ellen, um, I don't think he's going to be taking over uh, the Venture household this book. What I think is essentially going to happen is whatever happens at the end of this book, um, things are going to get thrown into chaos. The house war, I think, will likely continue. We only have 50 pages left, and there's still a lot that should be happening that, like, I wouldn't want to rush through, so I'm kind of hoping it kind of carries over into the next book. Um, I think Ellen is basically going to be, um, after his shenanigans here, after um, how much Straff hates him, I think he's basically going to be, have a massive target on his back, and is basically going to be like, He's basically going to join up with Vin's crew just because there's really nothing else for him to do. Like, he would probably just be killed if he didn't do that. So he's probably going to be chilling with them for a little while. Um, and then I think later on down the line, second or third book, there's a chance that um, there's kind of a new showdown um, 
Straff gets killed or taken out of power in some way, and then as kind of the prodigal son, uh, Elend can come back and be like, aha, me and my friends will take over the nobility and change things and make things better. Um, which is sort of building off of a, a theory that I had thrown out a couple episodes ago, and I, I, I feel like I'm going to stick with that. Um, but that's where I think that is leading. Okay. Okay. Now it's time. All right, I am marking down the time in the recording. We'll see how long you go for. Sorry, actually, don't mark it just yet. Sorry. Um, One very minor theory. Um, Vin is going to be so shocked and emotionally impacted by Kelsier dying, which is very understandable. I'm not saying this is wrong of her to do this, Um, but she's going to be so shocked um, and, and sad that it is going to take her, from my perspective as a viewer, a frustrating amount of time to ask what a Kandra is. That's my prediction. <laughs> All right. Now mark it. Okay. Mark so. It. So. <laughs> I mentioned Attack on Titan Brain. This scene reminds me a lot of a very specific Attack on Titan scene that I won't go into detail because it's season four. It's pretty late in the game. I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but it is also the that scene is the grand triumph of Attack on Titan Brain in which I just like saw through the matrix saw all the dots and was like oh my god this is what's about to happen and the main reason i was able to make the prediction is because i realized well it would be kind of dumb if this didn't happen so a lot of this theory is writing on i'm going to be sad if it doesn't happen because i think it will be a little bit silly so examining kelsier's death there's five things that may have happened Okay, let's start um, from the top. <laughs> One, Vin's not good at checking pulses and Kelsier's secretly alive. That would be kind of silly. Uh, two, Vin did check for a pulse well, but Kelsier found a mysterious way to hide or stop his pulse so that he appears to be dead, a la BBC Sherlock. I don't like that theory because it reminds me of BBC Sherlock. <laughs> Understandable. Continue. Um, uh, three, he already ate the 11th medal and it has some form of resurrection juice in it. I also think that would be a little bit of a cop-out. And I also, at this point, want to bring up something, Justin, you have told us. I don't remember if it was in chat or if it was in an episode, but I believe you have told us that in the Cosmere and in Sanderson's works, there are no resurrections or coming back to life with one quasi-exception of someone who suffered wounds that they probably definitely should have died from or in a situation they should have died from and they just kind of survive. Um, am I remembering that correctly? Uh, so when I was, we did talk about that in an episode, uh, and I was thinking of this scene in particular in that I was trying to not, th- the conversation was not related to this scene, but I knew that there would be some associations made, so I was trying to be as hedging in general as I can. Uh, but the the gist of it is that uh in some rare cases when there are is a significant amount of um for lack of a more precise term magical energy being involved uh characters dying can be kind of delayed and messed with gotcha okay so with that in mind yeah i do buy that kelsier is actually dead because it would Based on that information and based on the fact that this shocking moment would then proceed to be feel very cheapened if it turns out he just lived the whole time, um, I would be. I, I think that would be kind of silly. Um, that being said, fourth thing that could have happened, 
Kelsier is actually dead and his role in the narrative is just pretty much done. I think that wouldn't be silly necessarily, but I think that would be upsetting because I think there's more for this character to do. Um, so if, if there's just no Kelsier in any form, I would be a little bit sad about that. But looking back, I saw moments of like, right, right at the end of the fight, he says, maybe this doesn't have to go the way I assumed. Maybe I don't have to. And looking back, he's thinking, it seems, maybe I don't have to let myself die. Um, I think, I think it was kind of in his plan all along for him to go out in a blaze of glory to some extent. Um, and that's also explains why when Vin was like, are you going to leave me too? And Kel was like, because I think he knew all along that he was he was probably going to die and didn't want to make a promise that he knew he wasn't going to keep. Um, uh, so, with all that being said, we come to theory number five. Okay. Which I think would be the most interesting one. I think it would be the one that makes the most sense. And I'm really hoping it happens. Because the other thing is, if Kelsier just died and he was a martyr, and that's meant to, like get everyone inspired of like, oh, he died so tragically, we need to rise up and avenge him. I wouldn't really buy that on account of the fact that Kelsier literally stood in front of the crowd and said, look, everyone, I am the physical, metaphysical, metaphorical embodiment of all of your guys' hope. And then he immediately gets wrecked. And then gets killed. And, and then a bunch of the people who saw that happen also proceeded to get executed brutally. I don't think that's a very good recipe for getting people to rise up and be like, yeah, I'm really in the mood to rebel right now. So, theory number five. Kelsier is dead. He is actually fully dead. However, I think the one person who was in on the plan and in on Kelsier's secret plan um, was not Doxin, not Sezed. I think Renault, or the Kandra, was in on the plan. Because I think the plan is... I'll be Renault for as long as I need to, but then once the plan calls for it, Renault will just... I don't think there was the plan was necessarily to die publicly, but it's like Renault will just not have to be part of the equation anymore. Kelsier's plan was to die publicly, saying, I can't be killed, and then die. And now the Kandra is going to gobble up Kelsier and take on his body, and presumably from what we've seen of how Renault operates, will take on his thoughts, his feelings, his body, all of that, so we have kind of a quasi-zombie Kelsier, and that would allow, after dying in a very public fashion, Kelsier, quote-unquote, to show up to a bunch of ska and say, look, I can't be killed, I came back, I'm okay, we can still do this. So we have a public figure who appears to be Kelsier, who is going to be able to inspire the ska. I think they're also going to take out the soothing stations, which is going to help the ska rise up. That is what is going to cause... Um, a massive big rebellion um, that will cause a distraction that will allow um, the heist to take place because I'll be sad if this heist book doesn't actually have a heist in it so I'm really hoping that still happens um, but um, basically Vin will still have to take leadership because it's not really Kelsier anymore um, uh, I, I would imagine he probably doesn't have uh, his form powers anymore um, but I think there's still going to be the heist I think Sam is right that Vin is going to be leading it I don't necessarily think Lord Ruler is going to die in this book. I think that's going to that may be a uh, book two or book three thing. Um, but uh, there is going to be the heist that takes place and um, helps really kick a rebellion off. Um, and I also just, I think it would be really interesting for this theory to be true because I love the juiciness of Vin seeing Kelsier, someone acting like Kelsier, and knowing, but that's not really him. 
and having to deal with that, but he presumably has all of Kelsier's like memories and knows exactly how he acts and is able to to portray that really well. I just think that would be fascinating. Um, and I just know the Kandra has to be important in some way, and I feel like this would be a really interesting way to take it. I think that's the only way that makes sense to convince the Ska to rise up, which I do think is a theme that's been built up. So I just feel like that's where things are leading. I might have some of the details wrong, but I feel like that overall series of events is what would make for the best story. And that's part of the reason I'm really hoping it's true. So I will also say, if I were listening to your five possibilities without the foreknowledge of if any of them are right, uh, the thing that would convince me of point number five uh, is that it's the one with the most drama around Kel. And so it's the <laughs> oh, one yeah. that he would pick. He's also, I will also predict that um, in some way or another, uh, the Kandra dressed up as Kelsier will show up late to the very first scene in which he's supposed <laughs> to be present. That's how you know. <laughs> Okay. Or or even better, he shows up on time and that's what makes Vin be like, no, it can't really be him. <laughs> what I like about the the predictions that we've heard from from Caleb and Sam is that they are mostly covering two different aspects of what's left in this book. Oh uh, yeah. Which means it's theoretically possible for the two of you to hit the clean sweep on just getting <laughs> everything in part five. Could be. I just, I, I also just want a very quick wrap up of the specific Attack on Titan thing I mentioned that was me going all out uh, uh, theory brain um, was about a character uh, faking their death. And here is a character reeling their death, un, undy faking <laughs> their death, pretending to fake their death, even though they actually have died. Um, so the irony there is, is very fun. Um, but you know, I, I needed one last full on attack on Titan, Marisha Ray going all out, trying to connect all the dots and we'll see how well it pays off. All right. Eight minutes, 30 seconds. Hell yeah. So <laughs> now I'm not going to apologize for being a downer. I just apologize for talking so much. <laughs> you do not need to apologize for any of it. <laughs> Gotta take a drink of water after that. Man, if so, this is the frustrating thing because the the next segment that we're doing is the rest of the book because there's there's no way that I could conceivably put a place to stop in the next four chapters <laughs> plus an epilogue. Uh, but if we were uh, like all sitting in the same room and had a significant stretch of time, I would honestly want to like read a chapter, talk about it for 20 minutes, read another chapter, talk about it more just because of, there's there's so much that that I want to see how it shakes out with the predictions with what we've still have yet to pay off uh, that I want to make sure that we get to everything in its in its proper amount. But I'm I'm super looking forward to it. I'll be sure to like write down notes as I take them rather than like waiting to like the end of a chapter or the end of the section to write it all up, which is what I've sometimes done in the past because uh, I have a feeling I'm gonna want to preserve what I was feeling in the exact moment that certain things are happening. All right. Um, what do we have left to do besides read the rest of the book? I think it's time Thank to go read the, the rest of the book. for liking, commenting, and subscribing to our channel. Check us out on social media. Do, I don't think we have any social media. No, currently. we can do we precisely none media. of those things. 
check us out on the famous social media sites. There's always another podcast.com. Can you you can like it though? I I I just double checked. You can in fact like a an episode on Podbean. Boom. So thanks for that. Oh hell yeah, like our episodes on Podbean. That, that counts as social media. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess we will uh do all that kind of outro jazz and then go uh, read the book. Yeah, if you want to to tell us about uh the the theories that we've completely obviously missed uh or if you're just so impressed by how Caleb and or Sam got it completely exactly right, uh you can email us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. I'm taking a look at, at those as we we get them. Uh you can find our episodes at alwaysanotherpodcast.com or any other podcast reader which you so choose to use. Uh, we appreciate everyone giving it a listen and we're going to be uh, taking this home in the next episode chapters 35, 6, 7, and 8 plus an epilogue. So that's going to be pretty cool. Now time for all of you to cause some utter chaos in the outro. I just want to say I am terrified that I got literally nothing right. <laughs> Especially preceding it by saying it would be stupid if this didn't happen. <laughs> And also me bragging about how my line of thinking here is based on the one time Attack on Titan Brain has worked. If it ends up being just completely off the base, um, I will have nothing to stand on anymore, I feel like. (laughs) We'll actually kick you off this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I was wrong about the Lord Ruler always being dead. Instead, it's Kelsier who was always dead. He was dead all along. And then he was dead again. Scene.